Hello everyone and welcome to the first 2014 edition of Fascinating Nouns. We are still your stopping point for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now here at this curious nexus point, we explore the strange, unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, and all the things in between. I'm your host, Daniel J. Glenn. You know, for this first episode of the new year, I really wanted to get into a subject that both fascinated me and would help my audience. And I realized that what I wanted to do, what I've been striving for for the past year, is elevating this show, taking it to the next level, expanding my listenership, expanding my abilities, expanding people's minds with fascinating subjects. I want to get throughout the galaxy into perpetuity and beyond the galaxy. That should be my new tagline for 2014. Well, how do you do that? How do you get people interested in what you're doing? Well, what you do is you create a brand. Well, that's what Tamar Jacobs is going to talk to us about. She's a branding expert, author of Be the Brand, and she will help describe a little bit about what she does. Now, I'd like to give my definition of branding and see if we can come to this conclusion at the end of this discussion. But I really believe that branding is taking your individual characteristics, your traits, the things that make you unique, enhancing them, perfecting them, marketing them, and showing people that they need what you do, and you're the only person who does that. I think that's the quintessential thing about branding. Uh, look at you know, look at your actors. There's only one Tom Cruise. There's only one guy who does the trailers. If you're looking for that guy, they're the guy. Now, I'm going to leave you with the word of the show. I think this is very important. And the word that I've chosen is inculcate. You're going to find out a little bit later on why I chose that specific word. But here it is. First of all, it's a verb. And it means to cause or influence someone to accept an idea or feeling by repeated statement. Think about that. I'll let that one sink in. Uh, all right, tomorrow, I want to thank you so much for being here via Skype. It's the first Skype call of the show. Hopefully it will go well. Tomorrow, thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. Um, well, I'm very excited about this because this is a topic that I think I need to know more about and I don't. And there aren't a lot of experts out there. Um, so why don't you say in your own words, what exactly, what exactly do you do? What do I do? Okay. What do you, what do you, what do you do? Uh, I will tell you my tagline actually, um, talks about developing your voice, realizing your potential. And, and what I do is coach for performance, um, message with strategy and help people, uh, basically not, I don't like the notion of. Uh, reinventing yourself, but I like to help people refresh and remind others just how valuable they are. Valuable how the individual is? Yes, sure. Uh, because people uh, rely, and, and one of the big things that I talk so much about is the fact that hope is not a strategy. And if you defer to hope, you will not be successful. I hope I get asked to the prom. I hope I get a promotion. I hope he realizes how much hard work went into the report. And and so people are so busy hoping that they aren't advocating. So I give people permission to advocate for themselves and I get them promoted and I get them where they want to be and then they shop me around and, and I get used like a, like a rabbit's foot almost. Uh, for, <laughs> really, for, for folks to um, not really self-help because I think that's corny, but to self-identify and to, to advocate for themselves. That's really it. It's progressive. 
first you have to give yourself permission uh, to promote then you have to know how to do it because if you promote without benefit to others you're bragging and then you have to identify benefits so it's, it's really it's a whole it's a whole strategy and um, and if you do it right then actually the outcome is is quite positive so so the, I guess the, so the, you've just given the definition of branding I assume that is what we're talking Not, about sort of sort of sort of uh, sort of yeah sort of sort of branding is actually I think it, it's obvious and entailed at the same time so it's very curious a lot of people say they know what branding is they really don't um, it's interesting because I did a keynote in Europe a couple of months ago and they thought I was gonna you know run after them with a hot poker no right. Brand, <laughs> branding is not branded what what branding is um, it's something that I actually was very I think exposed to and became very respectful of when I was in corporate America when I was an executive at Johnson & Johnson brand is is three things it's what gives you competitive advantage a brand is known a, a brand is trusted and ultimately a brand is used and if you're known if you're trusted if you're used guess what you're preferred and then if you are preferred you get shelf appeal, you get prominence, you become Tylenol, you become Hoover, you become Xerox. Hmm. So you're the name associated with that particular thing? I think I am, and I try to inculcate, big word, I try to inculcate hmm. others with that awareness that it starts with being known. And, and who knows you? Why do they know you? Why would they want to know you? And, and if you're not known, then guess what? You can have all the attributes in the world, but somebody who's better known will, will get the promotion, will get the date. You won't. So you're really treating yourself like a product. Like you well, are something that gives, you know, you are, Tylenol relieves pain. So you are, you've given it that definition and it does it better than anything else. So you kind of use that for yourself, yes, or other people? Think about it. You don't when you have a headache, a pounding headache. You don't reach for a acetaminophen, right? You don't go right. for the generic. Uh, you don't really want the CVS brand. Pardon me. You want the name brand, mm -hmm. and and that's what people need to be. They need to be preferred brands, and you know actors do it all the time. I I'm, I don't know if you remember Tootsie with Dustin Hoffman. Of course. And and you know he didn't get the he didn't get the audition. They said we're looking for somebody taller. We're looking for somebody shorter. I can be taller. I can be shorter. You know. <laughs> right. And they finally said we're looking for somebody else. And <laughs> you know it's 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 that kind of mentality. You know um, Hollywood has it. Uh, there's the Brad Pitt. There is the Angelina Jolie. I mean, they they are the brand. And anybody who tries to be in that space is a wannabe. Mm -hmm. um, so how did you get into this niche little market? Because it seems like as important as it is, there aren't a lot of people doing it. I mean, how did you kind of guide yourself that way? Oh, I'd love to say that there was a big plan. There wasn't. What happened was I, hmm, I think I was fortunate and opportunistic at the same time. Okay. I started out in life as... Um, an actress and I, I did a couple of really bad shows and I knew they were you know how you know something's really bad and you know you read the reviews and you actually agree with them so that's not a good sign <laughs> right so uh, I went back to school and I got my degree in radio TV film and I thought well I, I like to write I like to perform I'll be a news anchor 
And so I did that. I ran all over the country and worked for a lot of uh, major um, affiliates in major markets. And then I was getting married and I wanted to stop hopping from different market to market. So I used one of my relationships with a woman who is very senior at a big PR firm in New York. And she said, well, you know, why don't you come and start a media department for us? I said, I'll do that. And I got very close to some of my amazing big clients. The, the most amazing and biggest was Johnson & Johnson. Um, the guy I worked with liked me. I thought he was incredible. He said, you want to come in and be my vice president of communications? I said, yes. And that's where I started getting exposure to these incredible brands that are associated with Johnson & Johnson, like mm -hmm. Band-Aid brand. That's J&J. &J. Mm -hmm. uh, the baby products. I mean, they, they are brand builders. It's, it's what they do. And then somewhere, I'd love to take credit for this, but I can't. Somewhere along the line, one of my colleagues said, well, you know, um, you, you help so many other people and, and you talk about building brands. Why don't you start thinking about people as brands? As a matter of fact, why don't you write a book? And I thought, oh, aha moment. And, and then I started examining how people really are brands. And successful people are brands. Successful people are known, successful people are liked, successful people are used. Because you can't be a leader if somebody doesn't want to follow. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's the, the brand appeal. And people who have that kind of brand security are never unemployed. And I thought, well, let me see if I can make that into a way of life. You know, I expose expose the secret to a bunch of people, not just these corporate executives. <laughs> yeah. Although I imagine you got paid pretty well to give these secrets to the corporate executives. There was that. Yeah, yes. Yeah, there is. Yes. You, you know what? You know what's kind of what kind of strikes me about this? I am a big pro wrestling fan, and I think like the trick to what you do. You know, it's it's easy to talk about these things in very sterile terms and and very corporate terms, and I think that that kind of gives it um, a universal appeal. But when you really get down to what makes something unique, you have to find a very unique characteristic. And this is kind of what I want to do with with my podcast and all the stuff that I'm doing is I'm really into very unique human characteristics. And I bring up pro wrestling because every single character and there are characters they have a gimmick they have a list of moves that they do they've got very specific ring attire they come out and they do and say certain things it's very distinct personalities every single one of them is branded as x you know some of them are archetypes some of them are stereotypes but they're you know it's a very specific type of structure that they use to kind of fill in the dots and some some of the wrestlers do it better than others you know but i think that that is a quintessentially what you do am i am i wrong I'm I'm trying to make the connection. <laughs> okay, so like like you know like Band Aid, you know like yeah. well, specifically I, I, what Band Aid does is it's an adhesive strip with gauze on it that sticks to your arm. You know there is nothing else that really did that before Band Aid came along. Bingo. You know? I'm 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 being funny, but I, I okay. see. Here's here's my point. Yeah. A brand has expected benefits, and and a brand has consistency. So that's what you're saying about these pro wrestlers that um, you know, they, they have developed their brands with great deliberation and probably, frankly, a lot of input from others and, and coaching. 
and so they know how they want to appear. They know what they want to stand for. They usually have this moniker after their name. You know, they, it's not just um, Steve Mc, Mc, what McKnight. It's I'm making this up. It's it's Steve totally McKnight. made. That's totally made up. That's totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, you're not a fan. <laughs> no, no, no. But 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 the parenthetical would be you know yeah. the destroyer or something. Sure, sure. Uh, and and to your point, it's interesting because. What we like about brands is they're dependable. See, I'm willing to pay for a brand because I know when I use Kleenex that my nose will be less irritated. I know when I copy with a Xerox machine that I will get a clean copy. So in other words, it's consistency slash dependability, right? Mm -hmm. And then benefits, benefits. So for instance, you probably wouldn't be such uh, a devotee of, of pro wrestling if there weren't a benefit to you and the benefit to you is entertainment mm-hmm. you know um strangely enough okay after you watch these matches apparently you feel happier so yes. you know that's, that's i can sense the disdain in your voice <laughs> it's coming through no, no, no. it's okay no, different, different strokes but but um if you if you distill it down, this is very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. If you spend time with people in sales, and I think everyone should, because to me life is a continual sales call. Think about it: buy for me, date mm-hmm. me, elect me, promote me. Sure. If if you spend time with people in sales, they have this wonderful mantra, and they talk about features tell, benefits sell, which is so interesting. And then there's the whole history of of the Hoover vacuum cleaner, and apparently. Uh, Mr. Hoover had this great idea that instead of sweeping, you could actually suck up the dirt in some kind of cloth bag. And he went around, um, I guess, house to house, and nobody was interested. He kept talking about how it was this automatic machine and it sucked up dirt. And they said, yeah, and? Then his sister-in-law said, well, why don't you tell them if it sucks up dirt in less time that the women in the house will now be free to go garden, will be free to join the, the, the bridge club, will be free to do volunteer work or whatever. So as soon as he started attaching the features of the Hoover vacuum cleaner to benefits to um, the, the housewives, they took off. And I think that people forget that. Uh, you know, if they're going on job interviews or whatever, they keep talking about what's special about them and the other person's thinking good for you as opposed to what's special about them and why it translates to benefit to others. Hmm. That does make a lot of sense. I mean, you have to sh- tell people what what are they getting out of it. You know, I mean, you can, in this world that we live in, you know, everyone is kind of secretly out for themselves and you have to kind of tell other people why they should use you instead of somebody else that make it about them, I assume, is what you have to do. It's always, there's something I've actually trademarked, it's called role of receivership. Why? Why would they want to hear what you have to say? Why would they want to hire you? And, and it's always the why before the what. And people forget that. So they go out and they start talking about what, what, what. And you know what the other person's thinking? So what? Right, yeah. And, and I'll, I'll be very honest. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm always a work in progress. I'm always learning. And when I was putting my, my first website together years ago, uh, the uh, the woman who was designing it for me said, well, you know, you're, you're all about this branding thing and you're always about um, describing yourself in three words. So how would you describe yourself? And I thought, well, easy. I'm, I'm um, original, I'm, I'm fearless, and I'm strategic. 
And she looked at me and said, good for you. Hmm. And I said, oh, really? She said, yeah, that's actually bragging. She said, but why don't you attach those features to benefits and now try it again? And I thought, oh, well, if I'm original, I can make you memorable. If I'm fearless, I can advocate for you. And if I'm strategic, I can get you promoted. She said, perfect. Now I want to buy your brand. And that really stuck with me. Hmm. That is a great strategy. I Maybe. really like that. I mean, I really like that. So you, you have people, they come up with three things that describe them, and then they tell what about them can benefit every person they interact with. Absolutely. Because, uh, you know, features without benefits is frankly just self-interest. You're just bragging. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, it's true. And, no, no, it's true. And to yeah. your point, it's interesting you said this. I don't think that people are covert in being selfish these days. I think they're very overt. You know, what's in it for me? What's it get me? Where are we going with this? I, I think people uh, have, have, have lost the art of decorum. And, and so, yeah, you better be all about benefits and you better let them know up front that you are. Well, so now you, you, so you started in products. And if you treat people like products, I assume, have you ever, have you analyzed what some celebrities are selling? Like, can you give me some examples of some celebrities and what their brand is? Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, I was just watching Jimmy Fallon. Okay. He was okay. hosting Saturday Night Live. And he's so happy. Jimmy, he's such a happy guy. He does seem like that. He's very talented, but he's very happy. And so it's very hard for you to be unhappy when you are watching him, uh, you know, or in his virtual presence. So I think that uh, he's clever, he's entertaining, and and it's time well spent. It makes you happy. Um, If I'm watching somebody who is such, you know, a gifted actor... Um, trying to think, like um, Dustin Hoffman, you know, um, he takes you on an emotional journey. So in the end, sometimes you feel smarter, sometimes you feel happier. Uh, He gets you to think, Leonardo DiCaprio, same thing. So anytime you feel that you've walked out of a movie theater um, with, with some kind of elevated awareness, this was time well spent. Hmm. Now, what about a guy, this just popped into my head, what about a guy like Jim Carrey? So I grew up with Jim Carrey, and, yes. you know, I was at the time when I thought those types of things were very funny. I was, I, was, I liked him a lot. Uh, he tried to do serious acting, and I, I personally think he's a great actor, but he didn't really connect, it didn't really take off. Um, you know, I think Truman Show is one of the best dramas that's ever been made. I mean, it's so creative, and he did such a great job. Why didn't he connect? I mean, what was it about his brand, or what could he have done differently to made that conne- make that connection? His brand was too entrenched. He had spent a long time and a very successful career appearing one way, and America expected that from his brand. He couldn't do a U-turn. They wouldn't let him. Hmm. And, and that's the risk you run quite honestly. Um, There are some brands that are very interesting uh, because their brand is known for constantly um, doing the unexpected. Madonna being the, I think, the most um, prime example of that. Mm -hmm. Her brand is reinvention. That's what she's known for. Right. His brand was broad humor. Yeah. And I guess if you're at one end of the spectrum, it's really difficult to go 
to the other end. I guess that's really what his problem was. Um, now, what about some other people who... Um, See, Miley Cyrus, I hate to bring her up, but she's been in the media, and a lot of people have been bashing her for all the things that she's been doing because it's so counter to the brand she had, you know, the innocent Hannah Montana that she had with Disney. Um, But I've seen a lot of other similar talents do this. Like, this feels almost staged and rehearsed and deliberate than it does a, a meltdown or an accidental turn of affairs. I mean, how do you feel about that? Um, I think you're totally right. I, I actually think she's brilliant. Uh, and I th- <laughs> Didn't expect that. <laughs> no, she, she is. Because she had such an established brand, she had to shatter it. And fortunately mm. for her, the media went along with her. Um, if she had shattered her brand and there was no media buzz about it, she would just go away. But because the media was very intrigued, it was so big. And, and the, um, you know, the fragments were all over the place that they found it intriguing. So they reported on everything she did. So now she has a different, bigger, um, I don't want to say better, but, but I think a broader-based reinvented brand. She's, she's, she is brilliant in what she planned to do and, and fearless in how she went about it. Do you think she took too much of a turn too quickly? Or do you think it was uh, the right amount of whatever? Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, she, I think at this point she's unstoppable. Let's see where she goes next. But th- this is a really smart businesswoman. Now you said unstoppable. I, I have you on, you, you were being recorded. Millions of people are going to listen to this. Unstoppable. You want to stand by that one? Yeah, I think at this point, because she's talented, you yeah. see. And, and so um, she's, she's shattered it. And she can dial it back now. America loves redemption. So she can dial it back, but she had to go that big in order to be revisited. Okay. That makes sense. Um, All right, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to get to what I'm really trying to get to in a second. But I want to ask you, what is your brand? You gave me the three words, but what do you think? What what is your brand, features and benefits? I think I'm a very smart brand. I really do. Uh, And I'm a brand without ego. And, and so I use my smart brand to make other people look and sound better. And then guess what? I get to bask in their reflected glory. Mm-hmm. But I don't try to grab attention for myself because they're successful. That's what I do. That's mm-hmm. my brand. I make people and products successful. Hmm. Now, as I was looking up your name to do my due diligence, I ran across another Tamara Jacobs. She was an actress on Dawson's Creek. Actually, not the actress. She was that was the character name. Uh, right? Is that so weird? I know. Uh, so how does that interfere? Like, what, what do you do when something like that comes up? Whether someone has a very, very, very similar brand, or they have the same name, and in this digital age where people are, you know, using their various search engine terms to bring people up, how do we get around that? Well, the the good news is she was quite good looking, so I'm very happy about that. <laughs> and you were and- an actress. Yeah, uh, and 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 because my world is so different than Dawson's Creek, that it, it really doesn't come up. But um, I would say that if there's name recognition, it certainly ignites conversation, and anything that is a conversation starter, frankly, is a good thing. Okay, that makes sense. Um, well, so now we've talked features. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a play right out of your book. Let's talk about benefits. What can people? How can people use some of these? 
uh, tricks and tactics for their own benefit? Oh, gosh. I've got another book coming out, so I'll, I'll promote for a Man, moment. let's do and, it. Yeah, let's go there. And, and it's um, success is a planned event. And what I mean by that, it, I truly live by that, which is it's, it's, a, it's a progressive sequence, and it starts with permission. Because most people tell themselves no before somebody else would tell you no. We limit ourselves. So the first thing I try to do is talk to people, not in a creepy psychobabble way, but, but to, <laughs> to, 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 to look in and say, you know, what's holding you back? What are you most afraid of? Because, see, if you don't try yes, you're already living in no. See? Mm-hmm. And, and if you're okay with no, then keep living there. But if you're not okay with no, then stop telling yourself no. You know, if you don't push it, you've already defined what you think are your boundaries. So I, I try to give people some courage, frankly, to, you know, and be prepared. Be prepared for the response. But if you don't try to, to, to shatter your own restrictions, then you can't get past your own fears. And it, I, I know that it sounds very... I don't know, in, intense or esoteric, but it's really not. It's, it's, it's that whole notion, am I in? And I use a lot um, the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. And, and there's a wonderful quote from T.S. Eliot. Do I dare, do I dare, do I dare to depart the stair with a bald spot in the middle of my hair? And, and, and I think about that so much. I read that in college and I thought, oh, this is an epiphany. Hmm. Because so many of us don't dare. And, and we're so afraid of no that we don't even try for yes. So I try to inspire people to go for yes, go for it. And, and my daughter's very funny. She's in music theater, and I, I think she's so talented, and I, 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 I believe she will do well. And, and she's so tired of growing up with a mom who keeps saying, try yes first. <laughs> but the other day, you know, she, we were talking on the phone. She said, I think this stuff works, Mom. And, and so I think that's the, the first thing. But then if you, if, you, you know, if you try yes, you better have something to sell that other people want to buy. And, and so don't minimize your worth. Don't use words like kind of, sort of, just, little bit, maybe. Because if you minimize who you are and what you bring to the table, you invited them to dismiss you. So you have to think big. You have to talk with clarity, and you can't have the minimizers. You have to constantly dot what you want to benefit to them. You have to build a fan base. Um, I, I don't think he'd mind me saying this, but, but one of the most exceptional people I've ever met in business is the current CEO of Johnson & Johnson, a man by the name of Alex Gorski. He's so smart, and, and he always talks about building your fan base. Who's your fan base? And, and people, I think, do the wrong thing right now. They, they latch on to what they think is a mentor. And, and I don't think that's careful because if you find a mentor and the mentor goes down, guess what? You're going down. Mm-hmm. So to jump across the bridge here, I'll quote Hillary Clinton. You know, it takes a village. I think to be successful, you have to have a fan base. You have to have a village of people who would say the same good things about you so that there's consistency and there is broadcasting. Hmm. Well, now how do you build a fan base? Cause I'm, I'm currently in those stages right now where how do you find people? How do you connect with people who want what you're selling? No matter how good your product is, if you don't have people who know that they want it, right. You're stuck it, with it. Got a warehouse well, of all, this stuff. 
first of all, I, you know, we, we, we have this, this virtual um, connect here. And, and I think that even over, over the, the, the magic of technology, you infuse people with energy. You have lovely energy. You have humor. You, you like to laugh. I would want to know you more. So that's the first thing. You better bring energy into the room. You have to have energy in your voice, energy in your presence. See, I can't save you. And, and I have a favorite expression because I coach so many people. And, and my pet peeve is when somebody leaves a meeting and says that was a dead group. Really? See, they were alive when you walked in. Somebody killed them. That would be you. That would be you. Yeah. And, wow. and, and so, so I'm sorry, but energy is infectious. You don't have it. I can't catch it. Sure. I and, love that phrase, by the way. That's a great one. Well, it's true. And, and you know what? And I can't worry about you. So, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. You have to. You don't want to get weird and fake. Uh, but everybody has a spectrum. So don't operate at the low end of your spectrum. Operate at the high end of your spectrum. So that's the first thing. Mm. We want to be around somebody who brings us up, not takes us down. I don't want to worry about you. I'm sorry, but I, I don't want to worry about you. I've got a lot of worries in my life. I don't want to worry about you too. And, and then, you know what, you have to push yourself. And this is so hard. I'm sorry. We're all tired. We're all stressed. We all have this whole multitasking thing. But you know what? Sorry. Show up for the party. Volunteer for the organization. Don't just be a, a, a sort of a generic member, be an active participant, volunteer to, to head up the mailing list, uh, volunteer to put the, the, the year-end party together. Uh, that's how you know people. You start to build your mailing list. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, there's a woman who wrote a book about the art of networking, and the point is if you're not networking, you're not working. I, you know, I'm sorry, but, yeah, it's, it's tiresome. And, and it is work, but to promote you and your brand and what you have to offer, you need to, you need to get exposure. Nobody's going to give it to you. You're going to give it to yourself. And then you talk to people. You do the unexpected. Um, I know I'm always embarrassing my daughter because I do talk to everybody. And um, I'll never forget I was in a, a, a line at TKTS in Manhattan years ago. And it was an endless line. It was Christmas time, and we were all trying to get the cheap tickets. And I started talking with this woman in line and her young daughter. She was about my daughter's age. And we talked and talked in this line for, I don't know, what, 45 minutes. Then we decided we, we actually liked each other's company, so we would buy tickets to the same show, sit next to each other. We kept talking. Long story short, her husband was a senior partner in a huge law firm in New York City. And guess what? She introduced me, and I got a multi-year contract. Oh, is that right? Yes. So, you know, I mean... What's the downside? And, and the other thing is when you can be in person, don't phone it in. Um, there was a woman who wrote a, a book called The Underdog Advantage. I thought it was a great book. She talked about lobbyists in Washington and how proximity is everything. And, and you know, if you phone it in, it doesn't have the same impact as showing up across the desk from somebody. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I agree with that in some respects, but I think some people are better on the phone than they are in person. I think when you have, some, for some reason, when people have the spotlight on them in real life, it's much different than on the phone. I mean, I know people who are great on the phone who are terrible in real life. Well, then that's disappointing. Very disappointing. Because <laughs> it is. Because oh, at, some, at some point I'm going to want to meet you. Yeah, but I mean, what if, what if, for example, let me just give you an example. Like what I do. 
Like if I wanted to, I, I'm I'm not an advocate for this. This is completely hypothetical. I'm very much about meeting people in person. I think there's a connection. I think you're exactly exactly right. There's a connection that people make in person you can't make on the phone. Right. But I think I've got uh, uh, this is features without benefits, uh, just which is just bragging. I I think I'm great <laughs> on the phone. Uh, look, I'm I got this stuff. It's already in my head. You already you've already branded in my head. Um, but I think I'm, I like being on the phone. I think I've got a very different phone personality than I do in real life. And I think in some ways, sometimes when I have in-person interviews, they suffer um, instead of being on the phone. I, I don't know why. I think it's like this weird thing. But I, I don't know that – I wouldn't say it's disappointing. I think some people can have a, a, you know, are just better. Just you know, People have different skill sets. Okay, maybe, but I will – uh, let me let me share um, some percentages with you and see if this is enlightening. Okay. okay. Um, years ago, a guy named Albert Morabian uh, did this huge landmark study and called it the interpersonal communication equation. Uh, he was from UCLA, by the way. And he identified the three things that he thinks impact somebody when you're communicating. Um, and the three things are the message, what you say, um, the nonverbal, how you look, and the verbal, how you sound. They add up to 100%. Mm-hmm. Which one of those three do you think impacts people the most? The uh, message, how you look, or how you sound? Oh, how you look, definitely. Yeah. And, and I have coined an expression, uh, again, I, I trademark all this stuff because I do think it's original, that people hear what they see. And, and so I'm glad that you and some others have great phone manner. Um, that's 38% of the equation, but 55% is how you look. So if I can only hear you, obviously that the, the 38% bumps up and becomes terribly important, but don't diminish it so that when I see you, I'm like, oh no, bad blind date. <laughs> well, okay, so let me, um, I, I like this discussion. So there, uh, I don't have landmark studies to cite. I'm pulling this out of school. But when, when, people, um, when people with disabilities have uh, um, one of their senses that's been erased, um, like let's say they've lost their sight, their hearing, their touch, everything else is enhanced in order to make up for that sense. Right. So let's say that we never needed to meet in this particular instance. Um, because you can't see me, and because I let's say specifically, I'll speak for myself. I can't see you. I'm way more attuned to what you're saying and how you're saying it, and and I think I'm I can absorb it better than if I was watching you say it. Because my, my my visual, you know, my frontal ah, cortex but, isn't even engaged right now. But but here's here's the but okay. But. Here's, 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 here's the but. but. Um, uh-huh. I, I'm looking at a still frame of you, okay. <laughs> yes. and, and, and it's true. So I'm, I am engaging with you. I'm looking at you. It'd be different if I weren't. So that's yeah. number one. Number two, it's interesting because when we cannot see someone, we usually will compensate. And this is to your point. So you're going to like this. I do like that uh, already. Yeah. Here we go. We usually compensate by having more vocal agility, mm. so that. Um, we are being very animated with our voice because it's what we have. Hmm. Uh, now, here's a curious thing. I don't know where you're sitting. I know where I am. I'm at a desk. I'm looking at a screen. I, still, I, I see a still frame of, of you. I am happy, though, because with this technology, guess what I get to do? I get to have hands free. Hmm. So while I'm talking to you, I am highly animated hmm. so that – 
I have basically a connection between what I say and how I'm looking right now. And and if you if you ask news readers, for instance, because remember I, I, I was I was a reporter for a lot of years, we would go back to the booth, you know, to record our voiceovers and we would put our copy on a music stand. Why would we do that? So that we could have both hands free so that there would be the right amount of animation in our voiceover when we inserted it into the into the news package. Hmm. That makes sense. So I always tell people if you're going to do a phone interview or you're involved in a webinar, whatever you're doing, you know, always try to have some technology speaker, whatever headphone, so that you can have hands-free because it will animate the voice. It will guide you. Well, my hands are free. I'm, I'm taking notes on everything that we're saying, but that's my weird, nervous habit that I do whenever I'm talking to people. Um, I like to, I like to, this is how I engage. I mean, I like to hear, and as I'm writing, it, it triggers things in my brain. Um, and I, I, I'm only, just to put a button on this, it, it helps me do it when, when someone's not in front of me. I'm actually finding that it's a little bit easier. Um, but I'm going to go back to your point and say that if I have my druthers, I would rather have someone in front of me that I can engage with physically well that didn't sound right that i can engage with in reality <laughs> you know what i mean like well and the other thing is it's honest see i i can't tell whether you're rolling your eyes whether you know you're you know you're gesturing to somebody else right yeah. man she can talk blah 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 like that kind of stuff like, bingo. bingo you have yeah. no idea yeah. So it's it's harder to to gauge what's going on because it's to your point you're you're blind. Yeah. And and so it's harder for me to see how my message is being received. I can hear I think how my message is being received, mm -hmm. but I'm I'm losing one of my windows. Well, here let's this is a great transition because what I want to get to, I read your first book and oh. Um, I, I love that the one thing that I wish there's this creative aspect to what you do and mm. and I, I it felt like you didn't capture that because I see what you do and I think you're great at it so if I, if I had one thing to say it was I wish the book focused more on the creative aspects of your brand um, but as far as taking people and giving them the tools that they need to improve how they come off to everybody I think the book is excellent um, and one of the, and there's a couple of great points that I will carry with me. I wrote them down because uh, they're they're so great. That I don't think people realize this that in the first 30 seconds, everyone's making up all of their decisions about you before you've really before you've said a word. That that's very true. Uh, and you even emphasize the first six seconds. Bingo. It, it's interesting. And and um, and again, I'll use my daughter as as a case in point. When she was auditioning for these various music theater programs, uh, the director of one of them came out and talked to the nervous parents, you know. And uh, he said, well, I, I need to tell you this is a cutthroat industry, like we didn't know that. And, and while you think your child is brilliant, not everyone else does. I mean, this guy was just really, uh, <laughs> he was... He, he was That's he, the he, truth, though, by the way. That's the truth. It was the truth. He was a little off-putting, but whatever. And, and you and. <laughs> And, and these kids get a minute. You know, that's what they get. They get to audition for a minute. Mm -hmm. And he said that he knew in the first 10 seconds whether he wanted somebody in his program or not, the next 50 were courtesy. Wow. 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 Whoa. And, uh, <laughs> and I thought, okay, that, 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 that's harsh. 
And and then I thought, well, you know, but he's probably being honest because in the first six seconds we check you out, um, and and it's not so much about being beautiful, but do you have attention to detail? Um, are you bringing energy into the room? Do you walk with an energized gait? Do you make eye contact? All that stuff. And, and it's a snapshot. See, that's the length of time it takes for me to check you up and down, you know, assess mm -hmm. whether I want to invest more time in you. So the first six is the, is the open the envelope and the next 24 is read the card. And, and if you don't in the next 24 seconds, give me a reason to listen, I'm gone. That's your 30-second window of opportunity. And we tell people in sales all the time that a sale can't be made in 30 seconds, but it can be lost. That's well, your window. Well, well so let me – let's, let's – um, I'm going to put you to the test. Oh, okay. And then well, I have to revisit that creative thing because I'd love to hear some more about that because you can yeah. help me. You can help me. I'd love to help quite you. Quite honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, shape my next book because I, I love your, um, your honesty. And I, I think that everybody's a work in progress, so we'll, we'll, we'll tease that out some more. Absolutely. Um, and I will help you. Quick question. Will I get royalties? Maybe. <laughs> you heard it here. You heard it here. I have you. I'm not cutting that part out. Um, well, so I want you to comment on work in progress. I'm really trying to – you came at a very opportune time. Um, I would love to know how – you know – how did what were my 30 first 30 seconds like but now also the other trick here is that we spoke for a couple of minutes before we started the interview so i don't even know if you can erase that from your mind or if you can and how we started when as an interviewer first 30 seconds let's do that okay i actually i like you very much and i'll tell you why because Thank you have you. A, well it's the truth you have a wonderful smile in your voice and and if i could see you i think you would be smiling and um, and you you like to laugh, and that's so refreshing. And it's not it's not nervous laughter. It's not inappropriate laughter. <laughs> it's it, it's it's joyful. And and that and and you're also smart. So it, that's a lovely combination because you know I I want to feel that if I'm investing my time, which is my most precious commodity, I cannot get it back. I cannot make more of it. Mm. That this is a great investment of my time, and and you're doing that. You you um, you are constantly, and I don't know if you're aware of this or not. You're constantly putting deposits in somebody's ego bank. Um, mm. You comment on what they say. You paraphrase. You make make thoughtful references. You bring it back. So I feel you're an invested listener. So guess what? I want to talk to you some more. Hmm. Well, thank you for all of that. Um, those are definitely aspects that I would like to maintain. Um, uh, I very much enjoy listening to people. And you have a, I mean, the reason this show is about bringing people on that I find interesting. And it's kind of almost a, I, a lot of people who would do a similar show would say, what do other people find interesting so I can have a big audience? I really want to bring people on that I find interesting. And, and if I may comment on your first 30 seconds, the thing that really struck me is that you clearly know what you're doing. And you, from the get-go, take command of the topic and are able to break it down into basic elements that anyone can digest. And I think the concepts can be a little difficult, but I think you're able to 
turn them in a way that anyone can use them. I'm sure, you know, with anyone who writes a book, they don't want, you know, they want people to get help from the book, but, you know, they would definitely, I'm sure you'd rather be hired. <laughs> you do have a very large company that, that you know, you need to have a lot of high payroll. But, you know, I think you are able to even give people the nuggets that they need from speaking and, and the way you communicate. Thank you. You know what? Years ago, I figured this out. I crossed over. It's not about how smart you are in the end. It's how right you are. And most people spend all of their time trying to obscure the obvious because it makes them sound smart. Hmm. And, and they get all esoteric and they speak in the abstract. Can't you just cut through it? And if you are an executive in any big corporation, the the, the the three dreaded words that, that people who come into the, to the boardroom don't want to hear are cut to the chase, bottom line this for me, where are we going with this? And I keep that top of mind because you know what, that's what we're really all thinking. And, and I remember these, you know, these up and comers who would waste my time and, and build the case and use polysyllabics and you know what, I don't care. I just want to know if this is a good investment and how fast you're going to get it done. Hmm. Obscuring the obvious, that's such a great way to put it. That is exactly what people do. I even, you know, I'm going to admit this. I sometimes do that, and I don't think I mean to do it, but I, I do do it. Not necessarily to make myself feel smart, but to, not even to pretend, but to feel like I have a higher grasp on things. But I think you're absolutely right. When you break anything down to the basics, I mean, that's what, I mean, that was what, you know, I think Einstein had a quote about being able to explain nuclear physics to a third grader. You know, I mean, you have to have that ability. Um, and, oh, go ahead. And, and we value people who can get to the point. We really do. And and if you want to sound smart, you only have to quote three people in life. Mark Twain, Will Rogers, and Abraham Lincoln. Hmm. So, <laughs> they were smart guys. Yeah, yeah, we got the historian. We got the, you know, and, and, what a and, triumvirate. Well, and if you if you... If you listen to Abraham Lincoln, he actually was a funny guy and a very unexpected, and, and he said profound things. And one of my favorite quotes is, and I'm paraphrasing, that it took him about two weeks to write a five-minute speech, about a week to write a 20-minute speech, and he was prepared to talk for two hours on any topic immediately. <laughs> That's great. And if you think about it, you know, I we like... We like the distillation because you've done the heavy lifting and now you're giving me the, you know, the outcome and the next steps. We love that. Mm. Um, well, I want to get to body language. I think yeah. you, there's a lot of great stuff in the book about body language I want to get to. But let's, 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 do, something, let's do something for you. I want to help you out. So let's talk about the, the, the – you want to get to the stuff in your book. Yeah, okay. Let's, what did you, what did you, what, what'd you want to talk about? You mean the stuff in my – Oh, you said you wanted to talk about the creative aspect um, yeah, for your book. Yeah. Um, in other words, do you want me to tell more stories? Do you want me to um, share more uh, anecdotes and quotes from folks? What would you like me to do that, to your point, makes it more creative? Well, not, not that it makes it more creative. I think that there's a creative aspect of branding that oh, okay. is that is – it's not overlooked. You mention it, but I think that that is the hard part. And I think there are things that you can do um, that may be able to, 
to generate those ideas. Um, first of all, I do want to say that I love that you have tests in your book. <laughs> that you have to because when I read read through it and I was like, what? Not did I understand the chapter? Because if I can't answer these questions, then I didn't understand the chapter. I like that. That's great. There, well, we're trying to get you to 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 engage with the material and make it your own. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, so if if I was. I don't know anything about this topic. I just want to make, if I haven't made that abundantly clear with my questions, I have no idea how to do any of this. Um, But what I've picked up from what you've told me. Yeah. Some of the things, like when you said, like um, an exercise to come up with three words that describe you and then explain functionality, you know, benefits and functionality. Um, None of that's in the book. And I think that's a great exercise for someone to look at themselves and say, okay, if not who I am, what do I want to sell? The person coming up with the, the, the character, for lack of a better term, that you want to sell, how can we develop that? Um, you know, so let's say I want to be, um, you know, for me, let's say I want to be the guy who goes and, and interviews very interesting, obscure, different types of people. How do I create that brand that distinguishes myself uh, of, from other people, you know, how, I don't know how to do that. How, so how would I, my question to you would be, how would I do that? Um, so things like, things like that, that kind of get people thinking about the character that they want to sell. Okay. Of course, I'm hoping I'm not one of those quote unquote obscure people, but moving on. No, no, no. Uh, well, no, 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 not obscure people, but you're, <laughs> you're talking about a topic. I don't know anything about that. It, that yeah. it's, it's like on the fringes of people's ideas. Everyone, I mean, right. everyone you look at, they're doing this. Everybody. You know, because everyone that you're seeing on TV is a celebrity. They all have a team of people doing this. But it's one of those topics that no one talks about and people don't know how to do, which is that's why I find it interesting. Well, I think the thing that's that's very interesting about what you're doing is that you're making the mm, – I won't say it's common because it's not, but you're not looking for the high profile and the uber famous. You're looking for the interesting uh, with some unexpected that could 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 fascinate people if it were um if it were actually discussed and so i think that what what you're doing is going for people who are who have attributes who have brand attributes but don't currently have marquee recognition Mm. And, and so you're basically mining um, the exceptional, and you're part of discovering, and other people are going um, with what's already been discovered. Well, so if we were to take me, for example, what I, this is what I do naturally. As I, if I'm looking to do something for this podcast, I've researched people that are doing things similar to what I'm doing. Okay. The highest profile person would be George Norrie, who has a late-night show, millions of listeners he's very into paranormal things you know he's kind of the brand that he's established is way more fringe um it's very much like aliens bigfoot that type of stuff that is what the image is that's the brand the show itself is way better than that i mean he as far as cutting edge politics and news no one no one's reporting the type of stuff that is on that show um Mm. So I, I and I love that's one of my favorite shows. There are things that he does, and the show is not what I want to do. But I know what he does, so I think, okay, here are the things that I like about what he does. Here are the things I do, you know, that that here are the things I want to do differently, and then here are the things that I do well. How can I enhance the things I do well into a marketable persona? All right. Well, then I always ask people this question. And by the way, 
um, some of the things that you're referencing, the three words with features and benefits and so forth, that will be in my next book. It will be. So, mm. so great minds are thinking alike here because I stumbled on this after I wrote the book. So, but, but it's great you're bringing it to my attention because, yeah, I, that will be. The other thing that will be in the book is what I'm going to ask you to do now, yeah. which is if you're trying to solidify your brand and then ultimately shop your brand, you have to ask the question, what are they going to know walking out that they didn't know walking in, and why do they care? And if you can't answer that question, then you know what? You wasted my time. So that's going to be your, your burning platform. What are they going to know after listening to you that they didn't know before listening to you, and why would they care? Hmm. That's an excellent point. Are you going to ask questions that they couldn't ask themselves? Are you going to get things out of people that um, they couldn't get themselves? Are you going to do the whole Barbara Walters thing and get me to cry? You know, I mean, what? <laughs> I what? will not get you to cry. No, probably not. But what are you, um, what are you going to do um, that gives me uh, more information, different information, more authentic information than somebody else wouldn't be able to tease out? Hmm. Those are great questions. I don't have an answer immediately for you. I probably should. And 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 it's a great it's a great self check. It's so it's so basic. And 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 I tell everybody before they put together a conversation, a presentation, an interview, whatever, you you ask yourself that question. What are they going to know walking out that they didn't know walking in and why would they care? And and it's a great it's a great discipline. Well, you've intrigued me into silence, which is probably oh. not good for a, for an interview. I, that does are, those, that's a great framework for what I guess anyone would want to do. Um, I'm going to answer these questions later on. I'm not going to I'm not going to take our time now, but uh, I do like where that's going. I think that that's very fundamental to what people are doing. Um, well, let's move along to body sure. language. We have body about um, six to eight minutes left. Okay. Um, let's talk about body language. You actually just wrote an article uh, for the Huffington Post um, mm -hmm. about handshakes. Yes. Um, yes. So break that down for me. How important is the handshake and what's good about it, what should be good about it, and what's bad? The handshake is huge because of all the senses, I believe touch is the most memorable. Um, if you want to quiet a crying child or infant, you don't talk them out of crying, you hug them out of crying, right? If you are a physician, that whole laying on of hands, that's, that's part of their credo. So we overlook the visceral. And, and, and I'm going to ask you, because I think everybody can relate to this, have you ever gotten a creepy handshake? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you know, you can't get past it. It's over. And and I, I remember being an executive. I was an executive with Johnson & Johnson. And this guy was interviewing. I think it must have been his final round of interviews. And he was a Harvard MBA. And I'm thinking, yes, you're in. So he went around and interviewed with about five of us. And you know what the feedback was? Creepy handshake. That's all any one of us could remember. And the guy didn't get the, he didn't get the job. Oh. And I don't, I don't know if anybody ever gave him the feedback or not, but that was what held him back. Hmm. And, and, you know, there, there are a couple things that are interesting about the handshake. First of all, it's a made-in-America phenomenon. 
at, apparently Thomas Jefferson claimed that he invented the handshake as we know it, that he didn't like English aristocracy with that whole hand flourish showing they had a lot of lace, which meant they had a lot of money, and then they would uh, basically gesture to their cap, and he just thought it was very effete and, and wasn't connecting enough. He liked the way Native Americans greeted each other. They would grab on to the forearm, but he thought that was a little intrusive, so he amended it to the handshake. So it really is, it's, it's a made in America phenomenon, which I think is very cool. There are some things about the handshake, though. Uh, it's so easy to miss the handshake, so you have to think about it. You have to practice it. It's almost choreographed. So if you want to connect at, at, this, at this very equal level, it needs to be web to web. It needs to be up and down. You can't have one who has a hand over and one who has a hand other, uh, under. rather. Uh, you have to start it early so that we can gauge the, the, the positioning so we're not too close, so somebody isn't leaning in and somebody leaning out. Uh, the art of the handshake is huge, and politicians actually rehearse it. They videotape it. Uh, we, we talk about whether they were connecting with old people, young people, tall people, short people, different ethnicities. Uh, the thing that's you didn't ask me, but I'll, I'll, I'll go on about this, is don't, don't do your own ethnic profiling because America is now such a melting pot. We do have people here who don't like shaking hands. It's not part of their native culture. But don't assume they're not going to want to shake your hand uh, because they are from India or they are um, Hasidic Jewish people or... Um, you know, maybe them in uh, their their devout Muslims don't assume that because uh, you know if they have been functioning in this country, they may have accepted that as a new norm. So my advice for people is risk it, and if you don't get a positive reception, certainly don't try to pump life into the hand that doesn't want to actually engage <laughs> you. Um, but, but there's, there's another way you can do it, which is you extend your hand. If it's not met, then you basically tip your hand to them with this up palm gesture, and then you put it back inside the other hand, and we call that the, the, um, the teacup. You put the cup back in the saucer. And, and the handshake uh, can't be too firm. It can't be too limp. It can't be too lingering. There's a whole strategy to handshakes because... It really sets the conversation. So a bad handshake is kind of like a missed high five. Like it's awkward and embarrassing. It's, it's true. Right? But it's only between two people. Like whereas a high five is very public, you know, like the, like the NASA thing. But in between, like I know you've got a bad handshake, and then they know they've been caught with a bad handshake. But it's very subtle, and then that's it. You don't have a second chance. You, you really don't. And then you, you know, and, and the other thing is there's the bone crusher. There's all kinds of things that you signal with the handshake. And what I tell people is you can't let a bad handshake linger because that's all people will remember. So then you correct it with the other hand. And, and um, you know, if somebody tries to do the one up and, and, and so they're up, you're down, you, you just place your left hand over theirs and, and trust me, they're not going to do the four-handed handshake. Uh, <laughs> I, but but you, you have to be so aware of this because even the handshake is strategic. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I do. Uh, I, I mean, there's definitely been times where I've been caught where 
you know, my hand doesn't hit their hand properly and they've got full leverage and I don't and they squish my hand and I don't have the leverage to squeeze, I, right. I, don't, I don't let that stand. So I will say, hold on a second, and we, we're going to redo this. And I'll say, like, hey, hold on, I didn't give you a good handshake. Like, look, dude, we got to do this over. And I, I will just reset it. I'm, I, I will not let a bad handshake stand. I just, I will not. I, I love that. That's very bold. Most people are not that bold. It's so embarrassing. It, it's very embarrassing. So what I'm suggesting is more subtle. What you're suggesting is is bolder. Mm. So good for you. If, you. If, you. if you have the confidence to take it to to the to the do over, then yeah, do it over. I think it's I think it's necessary because even even if you've got a bad handshake and you know the rules you're saying they definitely work, you still know the initial foundation handshake foundation was weak and soft. And for men especially, you want to make sure that you have that you know, mm, bam. I know you. I respect you. You respect me. This is solid. So if it starts off bad, you can do things to fix it. But you know, if an earthquake happens, it's still going to collapse to extend the metaphor to a ridiculous place. I, uh, I think that's terrific. That'll go in my next book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I'll give you credit. Thank you. Well, that is a great, <laughs> that is a great point to stop on. Um, we are actually out of time, but I wanted to stop on me getting royalties. Tamara, thank you so much for all of this great advice on branding. I think this is such an, a very modern, interesting, and, and topic that is in the zeitgeist. People are always thinking about this, um, and you are the expert. Is there anything you want to... Um, any websites you want to give out, any contact information, how can people learn more about you? Uh, they can go to the website, not to be confused with Tamara Jacobs from, from Dawson's <laughs> Yes, please. Uh, and, yeah, you, you, can, you can Google Tamara Jacobs Communications, Inc., and you can find out what we're up to. You can follow us on Huffington Post, which uh, I think is uh, – I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that I am an active contributor to Huffington Post. And if you want read more, we will be out there in about six months with a new book. It sounds great. Well, tomorrow, thank you so much for taking time out for me, and we'll talk to you soon. Perfect. My All right. pleasure. All right, thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening. Have a good night.